Greetings. Thank you for joining us on our NCA podcast. I'm Kathy Mears, the interim president and CEO of NCA, and I'm very, very happy to welcome my guest today, Molly Sheehan. And Molly and I are going to talk about the um, March for Life and Right to Life issues that our church um, takes a very powerful stance on. So Molly, welcome. We're so very glad you joined us. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's it's good that you're here. And at full disclosure, Molly and I recorded this podcast last week. And then the people, the USCCB who run the March for Life, um, decided probably very wisely to make it a virtual event this year due to so many factors surrounding our nation's capital. So um, Molly and I are redoing this podcast so that we can bring you up to date on new information that we've learned. So Molly, you want to tell us about yourselves and why you think I asked you to participate? Yeah, well, thank you again for having me. Um, So I am the Respect Life lobbyist for the Maryland Bishops, and I um, uh, came out here to to D.C. to do some work on Capitol Hill. Um, I studied at the Pontifical John Ball II Institute, um, and before that time, I worked for the Archdiocese of Los Angeles on life issues. So this is something that I'm very passionate about, and yeah, it's just a blessing to be here and talking with you today about the right to life. Well, and again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we really appreciate it. So Molly, um, the the March coming up is going to be virtual, and we'll get to that in a minute. But this week, um, two, two people were put to death by the federal government. Um, they received the death penalty, and they were executed. Can you talk about our church teaching on that and um, how we might work with that issue in our schools when we're teaching our students about right, right to life and respect life issues? Yes. So, um, yeah, it, it was really sad news to see um, that Corey Johnson and, and Dustin Higgs were um, executed this week. Um, we recognize that, you know, um, neither of these men was innocent. And yet at the same time, they too are made in the image and likeness of God, um, just like their victims are made in the image and likeness of God. We recognize that everyone has the the opportunity and the call to repent. And we see that, you know, the death penalty, it is ending the life of someone that you know, God loves very much. And what we should be offering instead is recognizing that we can protect public safety. Um, and, you know, our, our prison system is strong enough in the United States that we don't need to, to end anyone's life in order to protect public safety. Instead, we should be trying to um, encourage people to repent and to to give them the opportunity to, um, yeah, to, to change their lives and, and to... Um, just to turn their lives around. Indeed, you know, even even um, someone who has committed a grievous crime, uh, they too, um, in spite of that crime, are are um, worthy of the right to life. Yes, and I and I think when we're teaching children, I think it's really important that we teach about reconciliation and forgiveness, and that Christ offers that to us. And so, um, this is a very practical implication for our faith that we would support the church's teaching that um, execution by the federal government is not a good thing. It is a grave sin and that we need to um, do what we can to work for better ways of justice to deal with, with some really people who have done some really horrible things. And we're not trying to minimize that at all, of course, because the crimes are real and they're horrific. On the other hand, uh, you know, I count on that forgiveness and reconciliation with God every day. So um, I think it's very important that we continue to teach that. There are other right to life issues, too, that people um, 
people really believe in and respect life demands that we look at everything. And I think um, the phrase is generally womb to tomb. So do you want to talk about some others? Again, we will definitely talk about the March and um, respect life March and all that goes along with that. But I just want to make sure that we cover all of the church teaching. So do you want to talk about other issues that the church um, brings to our attention when we're talking about respecting life? Absolutely. So in this month of January, and particularly on January 22nd, we remember the anniversary of Roe versus Wade when um, abortion was made legal throughout the United States um, through all nine months of pregnancy, you know, and we grieve the loss of the millions of lives of, of children who have died um, from abortion. And we also recognize the harm that that does to their mothers. Um, and we would like to see a world that would support pregnant women and, and those who, who have given birth so that they can raise their children um, and, and recognize the, the dignity and sanctity of, of the lives of these children. Um, we also recognize, you know, that, that um, life does not end at birth, that, you know, our, our entire life is meant for the glory of God. And so, um, you know, it, a lot of the time when I think about this, I look at, you know, the lifespan of the person. So, um, you know, you, you have a child who's spared from abortion. Um, frequently, that same child, um, you know, will, will find that, that that person will be placed in foster care later or, or may contemplate suicide. They may fall into homelessness. They may um, resort to, to drugs to deal with some kind of um, difficulty that they're facing, maybe um involved in human trafficking, they may be incarcerated, they may be offered assisted suicide at the end of their life. But no matter what stage of life we're in, um, that person is made in the image and likeness of God. And so that's really what the church teaches is we recognize that this person um, is loved by God, that they were created by God and, and destined for um, a purpose in, honor, in, in order to honor the Lord who created them. Right. And um, I think that last week when we, we first recorded this, you talked about foster children and how the role of adoption and how we can help as Catholics. Could you talk a little bit about that um, for this recording? Because I thought felt like that this is something I hadn't really considered. And it absolutely is a respect life issue. Absolutely. I, you know, this, this issue is very important to me. Um, just recognizing that there are, um, you know, 400,000 children in foster care in the United States. Um, and we know that many of these children, um, about 100,000 of them are waiting for their adoptive families, um, waiting for someone to, to take them in and, and claim them um, to take their last name, really to be their forever family. Um, we also know that about 20,000 young people will age out of foster care without a family. And the statistics for them are really bleak. You know, if you, you think about um, an 18 year old kid who is just starting out in life, you need the advice of a parent and the support of a parent in order to, you know, know how to do laundry and to, you know, start get your first apartment, to go to college, to, um, you know, pay your taxes and, and get a job and just so many different things that, that we rely on for life. And when kids don't have that support so often, um, they're, they, about a fifth will be instantly homeless um, and many will, will be incarcerated and um, about 60% of trafficked youth come from the foster care system. Because if you're a vulnerable young person who has no one to turn to, no one to stay with during the holidays, that can be really rough. On the other hand, when we offer um, and, and provide children with um, their with you know a loving family to come home to, we know that that that's where we're we're nurtured and supported and, and given the best chance for for um, for life. 
Yes. And again, many of us could maybe do more in this area. And it's, again, just being aware. When you say 20,000 kids will, will just time out, basically. And you're right. At 18, no one's done. They all need need support and parents. So it's it's just something, like I said, I had never thought about. And when you were talking about it with me um, last week, I, w- I just thought I need to think about that more and make that part of my, my prayer. Because again, it's something I think more of us could do something about, but we just, we just didn't think about it. And, and so thank you for bringing it to our, to our attention. It's really important. So the March for Life now will be um, a virtual event. And um, I think that that's probably a good idea for uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, I wasn't sure how many schools could really go if you're it, it, just being on a bus. You can't necessarily be on a bus or want to be on a bus with very many people. Um, it's just like flying. It, it, the logistics are overwhelming. And ask young people to do that um, was probably a, a big ask. And to ask their parents to provide that permission was probably even bigger. So um, I, I'm fully supportive of a virtual event. What do you think about it? Feel free to disagree with me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's it's wise at this juncture, just for for the safety of all and for the health of all. I think um, you know we're we're trying to make sure that people can can still raise their voices um, in support of um, the unborn, which is very important, and at the same time recognizing the logistical challenges of having everyone come to Washington D.C. this year during the pandemic and and with all that's been happening in the nation's capital with the inauguration. I think it's just wise to um, to go virtual this year, and that doesn't mean that it will um, end or limit our advocacy. I think it's really an invitation to to be creative and do more. I agree. And I think that more people can probably participate this way than can ever march anyway. So um, I'm I'm kind of excited about the possibilities. I, I think it it makes sense, and um, it, the website's very easy. You can sign up to to watch virtually and to be a part of it. You're, they're still going to have keynote speakers. Um, I still think it, it's it's a great thing. And then in some states, well, I think every state there's going to be some kind of mark or some kind of event. So um, I really urge people to go to um, the marchforlife.org um, website and you'll find out all the information about different states and then what's going on in our nation's capital on January 29th. They had already moved the date because of the um, inauguration and I think it makes um, so it, it makes even um, more sense, I think, this year probably than ever to do it virtually. It seems like it's an, an okay thing. Um, uh, Molly, are you familiar with the um, the nine days for life novena that the bishops are offering? Yes. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful novena where they, they will pray for, for different intentions um, every day of that novena for um, the dignity of human life, you know, for, for mothers, for, for fathers, for um, unborn children, for families, um, for, for healthcare providers. It's, it's really important just, just um, inviting everyone to, to conversion and then also to considering how um, our hearts can be moved for um, for mothers and their children, and how our hearts can be open to um, continuing to affirm the dignity of every human life. Right, and you can. I mean, if you are a teacher or a principal listening to this, again, you can go to the usccb.org website, type in um, Nine Days for Life, or you can follow NCA on Twitter or on our website, and we have the uh, the um, 
novena there. And I would urge people, it's so easy. It's like an Our Father, Three Hail Marys, a Glory Be, and, and some reflections. And I would say it's for middle school and up, but I definitely, as someone who taught first grade, I could take this and, um, you know, and talk to first graders about it. Um, so it's, it's important that, um, I think all teachers and principals take a look at it because again, it starts on January 21st. It goes through the 29th. You can easily do it in your classroom or in your school as, as a whole, you can do it online. You can do it in person. It lends itself to anything. And again, I think because it's, um, it's prayer, it's so appropriate that we make sure that we always teach kids first and foremost, that prayer is where we turn for, for things that we need. Yes. Everything begins in prayer. Right. So again, we, uh, I urge you to check out that website, the USCCB for the um, nine days for life novena. Again, very easy to, to use and follow. So um, please consider that. So Molly, the church has been talking about respect life forever. I think Jesus talked about it a lot when he talked about the Beatitudes and, and tells us how to live our lives. And then the church has taken a strong stance since um, 1973 um, when Roe v. Wade was, was determined and became the law. So how do you think that our Catholic schools are doing with the teaching of right to life issues? And do you think, how do you think we should approach it? Is there something we should be doing differently? Yeah, I think that our Catholic schools really do an excellent job in um, introducing each person, um, all of the the students and in their charge to um, the the fact that each person is made in the image and likeness of God. You know, I think that that's such a a, a beautiful um, thing to reflect on. It is so basic, but it is so true, and it's really the basis of of what we're able to to construct this view on that. If each person is made in God's image and likeness, that mean, that is where their dignity and worth comes from. Um, that's where their value is based. And so if each student is valuable, then also each person in the world is valuable. And I think that um, that introduces students to that worldview, um, which is so great. I think, you know, we can always emphasize more um, the the reality of these issues, um, you know, the the loss um, that that abortion is in our society, the um the, the struggles of people facing human trafficking, um, the the issue of the death penalty, just because that's so um, in the news right now with with the the current executions, um, and and then recognizing the, the the looming threat of physician assisted suicide that we're seeing in some states, um, just acknowledging the, that there are major attacks on the dignity of the human person, and also the opportunity that is each person at every stage of their life deserves to be valued and loved, um, deserves to be protected and cherished. And so I think our Catholic schools really do a good job of that and can continue to do that. Um, one thing I, I would mention is just, you know, if schools are looking for for more ways of opening this conversation, you know, um, I think the, the four pillars of this um, that the USCCB talks about are prayer, education, which is what our schools are all about, advocacy and service. Um, advocacy, urging that um, our laws are supportive of the dignity of the human person. And then service. I know our schools are very active on this. Um, and I know it's more difficult during the pandemic, but I think we talked about this um, the first time we we chatted last week, um, you know, that, that our schools can, even if they're um, 
having to do hybrid or virtual or or not be able to to work in person at some of these services, they can you know collect baby and maternity items or diapers for um, moms in need. They can you know pray at the sidewalk with Forty Days for Life at a safe distance. Um, they can collect jeans or pajamas for foster youth or for homeless youth, um, or or towels and toiletries for trafficking survivors. Um, you know that there are so many different options. Um, I know another project where you can collect books for prisoners. So all of those things um, really recognize the the works of mercy that um, were called to the corporal works of mercy. And I think those um, remain possible um, just with a little bit of creativity during the pandemic. Yes. And I think they're, they're great ideas and things that we we need to constantly remind our, ourselves that we can do as individuals and definitely our teachers can teach our children to do. Um, I, I like the four pillars. I think that that makes a lot of sense. And again, even young children, we can start with the prayer part. As you say, it all, everything we do begins with prayer and, um, and serving, helping each other. Again, it doesn't matter the age of the students we're working with. We, we can do that. Um, you, you talked a little bit about, um, euthanasia and assisted suicide. And that, that, that's a big deal. I lived in Massachusetts for five years and I know that, um, it was something that Cardinal O'Malley was always concerned with because the, there were always new laws on the offing in this, in the Commonwealth about, um, passing a law that made assisted suicide possible. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that impacts people? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, especially in the context of schools, you know, we're very familiar with discussions about um, uh, suicide and mental health and and the needs of young people. Um, and, you know, we know that suicide is the third leading cause of death for young people. But we also see that our elderly have a higher rate of suicide than our young people, which I think is surprising to a lot of people. But it's it's a fact across the country. And so uh, physician assisted suicide, the idea is to um, that that. Um, ending someone's life would be merciful. But the reality is you're, you're telling someone that they are no longer valuable because they are, because they are suffering or because they are ill or dying. And what we really need to be offering for our elderly um, and those who are, who are nearing the end of their life is, is support to let them know, no, you are not a burden. You are loved. You are worthy. I'm going to sit with you. I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to make sure that you are well taken care of, that you have the best healthcare possible, um, that you receive excellent pain management and palliative care, hospice care, um, and that, you know, I, I'm never going to offer you suicide just as I'm never going to, to you know, assist someone else's suicide at any earlier stage in their life. Um, I, it seems very straightforward. And I think especially when we're talking to young people, they can relate to that. Um, less on, on the young people, you know, we know that they're tend to be more healthy. And so they can't relate so much to that side of things, but they recognize that their grandparents are valuable and, and, and have so much wisdom and gifts to share. And so recognizing we're not going to assist the suicide of a younger person. So why would we assist our elderly in suicide? It's um, really a grievous um, and, and misguided um, approach and, and one that, that really needs to be addressed in our society. Yes. And, and as someone who has held the hands of loved ones who have, have passed away. It's not easy. It, it's not. They Sometimes they're suffering. But the idea that you would do anything to um, hurry that along is, is 
it's just almost impossible for me to imagine. And yet I know that I did not like seeing the people I love suffer. So um, again, I think it takes empathy and a firm conviction that life matters. And um, I'm proud of the church for its teaching. Um, the church's teaching on life is so consistent. I think it's one of the things that um, people can relate to and, and feel like, you know, that that we're on the right side of things. And um, I think I think that's really important for us to teach our, our students, too. So, Molly, um, one of the things I wanted to um, mention was one of the um, days of the novena talks about the the pregnant women, usually younger if they're considering an abortion, but not always, and, and asking for prayers for, for that young woman. Um, can you talk about the church's support of, of these women? Um, because I think it's really important to know that we understand that what they're facing is, is more than difficult, and we do want to be there for them, and that the church does reach out to them. Yeah, I think it is so crucial that we emphasize the supports offered to pregnant mothers. Um, we know that that, is such, that can be such a difficult time in uh, a woman's life. She's considering bringing this new child into the world and just the challenges that we'll, we'll face. Um, the you know, the ability for her to to provide for that child. So the church, um, we have, you know, a network of pregnancy centers around the country that provide material support, meaning diapers, maternity clothes, you know, baby items, um, any kind of uh, the things that she will need when that baby is born. Our hospitals provide excellent medical care and prenatal care. Um, and so many doctors are, are available to, to offer that support. I know that there are ministries that offer um, emotional support and are willing to walk with women through um, her delivery and for years afterwards, just to make sure that she knows she's supported, um, that people are willing to offer babysitting for her or bring her meals or whatever it is that she needs. So. I would really emphasize the the need for people to consider um, what is being asked of you when you look at um, when you hear that someone is pregnant um, in your circle that you provide um, and be that supportive ear for her that you say hey this is so exciting congratulations I'm going to to be there with you every step of the way what do you need and then um, really step into the gap for her and support her we know that the church does that and so um, knowing that these are difficult situations, but we also know that this is an exciting time too, and that we should affirm each mother that you're going to have a baby. This is incredible. Um, I know it can be scary, but I'm here for you and we're going to do this together. We're in this together. And I think that's really important, especially, like I said, the younger girls who find themselves in this situation, some of them attend Catholic high schools and, and they, they're afraid that they will be ostracized instead of supported and um, made examples of. And, and I just want to say that in Catholic education, we try really hard not to do that. And we want to make sure that we, we, we know that a mistake maybe has been made, but we're still there for that, that, that young person and everything that she's going through, because it is not easy to be pregnant when under the greatest, best circumstances, there can be issues. So it is very important that we as Catholics do this. Yes, certainly. It's so important that anytime you hear that someone is is pregnant and they tell you that, um, even if they are feeling fearful, you always want to celebrate that that life and say congratulations um, and just affirm that. So frequently, we hear from women who um, have been who have 
chosen abortion, um, that they felt so alone. And someone will say, well, it's your decision. You know, it's up to you. And at that moment, that is the last thing she wants to hear. She doesn't want to hear that you're stepping back and, and removing yourself from the situation and leaving her by herself. She wants to hear, congratulations, I'm here with you and I'm going to walk with you and I'm going to be there for you. That is that is a true friend. That is true support. And that's um, that is often the the kind of thing that she needs to hear is in order for her to make the choice that she wants to, which is for her to to, to have this baby and um, welcome this child into the world. That's beautifully said, and that's exactly right. We we need to be there, and um, and again, hold our hand, hold their hand, and walk with them on this journey. That that's not going to be easy, but but we are there. And I think it really is tied to well, we'll go back to where we began, and you talked about foster children. Many times I suspect, I don't know it, but somebody's made the difficult decision to have this baby and then they don't know how to raise it or they can't on their own. So us being there is is critical to all of these respect life issues. So um, I think you're exactly right. That's what we need to be teaching our students. And I think we are. I, I do think Catholic schools do that, but we just have to make sure that we do that each and every time that we're, we're called upon to teach. They do. I think our Catholic schools do a great job. You know, I mean, the, the attacks against the dignated human person, they are different and varied, um, and some are worse than others. You know, there is a reason that the church emphasizes so crucially um, abortion and euthanasia because they attack life at its very nascent beginning and at its um, uh, very end. And so that, you know, the U.S. bishops, make uh, they, they consider it like you're building a house. You know, um, the the those fundamental life issues are, are the foundation of the house. Um, and at the same time, um, a house isn't just a foundation. You need the walls and you need the electricity and the furniture inside and the beautiful decor. And so we recognize that when we support human life from its beginning to its end, at every stage in between, that is what our, our faith really looks like. That's the vision of the world as God sees it, um, is, is to celebrate this human person throughout their entire life. Um, I just think it's really important to for us to be able to to emphasize that and and to recognize that. Um, you know, Mother Teresa always said that she saw the face of God in each person that she met, and so that should be our our call and our goal. I remember teaching that to first graders that God is in each of us, and that we should be able to see God in each of us. and And I remember six year olds really trying to contemplate that and what that meant. And I will say that children have great conversations about that. So it is a basic tenet of our faith. and And if six year olds can understand it, most of them really could. Um, I think that we we grown-ups and adults need to understand that too. So Molly, thank you for being with us today. I really appreciate you taking your time and I appreciate it even doubly because it's your second time to do this. And, um, but I, I am grateful to you for that. And, um, I just want to reiterate that the, um, March for life this year is virtual. So there is no reason for every Catholic school in the country not to be able to participate. And I urge you to look and consider the nine day novena for life because it's very easy um, for you to to do at your at the school level or a classroom level at a family level. And so um, please consider um, taking the time to pray for all life issues um, during the nine days um, leading up to the March for Life. So again, thank you, Molly, for being with us. I really appreciate it. Certainly. Thank you for having me. And yes, everyone join the March for Life. It's um, a great opportunity for our schools to be um, 
uh, encouraged and, and excited. Um, and it's great to gear up for the, the rest of the year when we will carry that, that fire that we receive um, from this virtual march this year into action and into service, into our prayer and into our advocacy. Yes. And so thank you, Molly, again. And thank you all for listening to our NCA podcast. <laughs>